What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Johnny Comanzi Rodriguez. He joins me via Skype from his home studio in Pasadena. Um, Johnny and I have known each other a long time. We've worked on murals abroad and here in the U.S. He does a lot of really cool projects and is, is one of the hardest working guys that I know. He sat down with me. We talked jujitsu, in and out Burger, Iran Contra and the Sandinistas, Steve Cavallero, 42 Entertainment, Murals, London, Work Ethic, Motorcycle Culture, Mushrooms, Mexican Food, Lifesaver, Jelly Beans, UFC, Cat Cult, 5024SF, Limited Senses, Social Media, and Malcolm X. So make sure you go check out MikeMaxwellArt.com and click on the blog link and you can see all the information about each artist. You can also support the podcast by donating. We uh, we have a contest going on right now, the Live Free Raffle. If you donate $5 or more, you receive a raffle ticket. For each $5 you donate, you, you receive one ticket. We have a bunch of really cool gift packs from my sponsors. We have a t-shirt gift pack from dsdshop.com. That's DSD Clothing. We also have a Two pairs of Spy sunglasses, a men's and women's pair of, of sunglasses from Spy Optic. They're uh, spyoptic.com. We have a really cool package of t-shirts and stickers and patches and information from the Keep a Breast organization. They, uh, they're a breast cancer awareness organization out of Oceanside, California. Uh, their website is keep-a-breast.org. We also have another gift pack from Home Clothing. You can check out their website at amomentinyourlife.com and see all the cool stuff that they're up to. Last but not least, we also have a gift pack from Brixton Manufacturing, brixton.com. Check out all their stuff. Um, And we got a couple t-shirts and a hat from them. So make sure you go over to the blog and click the link. Of course, subscribe in in the iTunes if you haven't already. We've been getting in the top 200 about every other day, which is cool. Um, I really appreciate all the support and everyone who's already donated to the Live Free Raffle. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, looking forward to updating the system and getting everything on on, a, on the next level. So if you're on the Twitters, make sure you follow the podcast. The podcast now is a, a Twitter page up. It's at Live Free Podcast. And if you'd like to follow me, I'm at Mike Maxwell Art. So, with all that said, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Johnny Comanzi Rodriguez. All right, let's give Johnny a call. <clears throat> Yo, buddy. Hi. What's happening? Can you see me? I can't. You got to push the little camera button. There, it's happening. That guy? There it is. I see you. What's up, brother? We got the same haircut. I know. Mine's mine's growing out really fast. I did shave it bald from having serious man fro. Same here. How's everything? Really good. How are you? Excellent. Sore as shit after uh, five days in the gym. Oh, really? Pete. You motherfucker. Hold on. He's all excited. Crystal's on her way home. He knows? Uh-huh. He knows what hour it is. Like, yo, what the shit? What's going on? 
He's right here by my side, like, what the fuck, guys? So, yeah, I'm, I'm sore as shit. I did uh, two jujitsu classes, two kickboxing classes, and um, one just free free uh, open gym day where I just brought um, – I just brought my camera or my, you know, my phone on the mat and put a, looked up a uh, yoga video. It did like 45 minutes on the, on the mat by myself. I had the whole gym to myself. Did like 45 minutes on the mat and then uh, did ke a kettlebell routine that I just yeah. watched on, on uh, YouTube as well. And dude, the whole inside of my thighs are just worked and my lower back, like not like ow aching lower back, but the muscles. Down yeah. in my lower back that weren't there before are forming. It's fucking crazy. Oh, my dog's <laughs> being an asshole because he wants to be, get fed. What's the name of the academy you're training at? It's the Black House Gym. Do you, do you have any friends going with you? No, just <clears throat> just myself. But, I mean, I've made friends already just in the week that I've been there. Yeah. You know, because I've been – I utilized it as much as I could so that, you know, I had a free week. So I was able to, I was like, well, if I have a free week, I'm going to use it as much as my body can physically handle. Yeah. And that's about, that's what I did. And, but now I'm, I'm, I'm going to join, get all set up. I'm, I got a uh, gi jujitsu tomorrow and you're, you're doing Gracie jujitsu, right? Yeah. I looked into the, the Gracie academies that are around the area. And it's just like the timing is off for me. And then it's like I would ha I would be paying the same amount of money basically for less services, less less options. Even though yeah. I know it's like a great jujitsu academy. Did you see, you see the UFC uh, just fucked with um, Rainer Gracie with all the breakdowns that he does? They took down his YouTube page. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, I guess it happened yesterday because uh, after the he did a breakdown of the uh, Korean zombie, the twister that he did. Yeah. Did you watch the show? I guess I shouldn't. I did. And, you know, it's funny about that specific move. Um, I'm going to be working it in the academy this oh, week. Oh, yeah? Nice. Yeah, I, I want to work that, the twister. Nice. I got, to, uh, I got to see, like, two or three things, like... Just an escape move <clears throat> that I learned. Amir Sadala did a, a little escape underneath where I don't exact. I, I think it's from the from the half guard. You duck under and sort of get your back to their belly and duck around to get their back. That's uh, called a deep half guard. Sure, I don't know. I barely remember any of the moves yet. You know what I mean? Let alone their names. But yeah, and I saw that and got all excited. And now it's like you know, for a person like me. I thought, you know, I, I figured as just a spectator, I know quite a bit about the sport. But just in seeing just one little escape, I realized that I know very little. Yeah, the deep half guard's really good. I actually utilize it a lot. I sometimes pull specifically to half guard so that I can work the deep half guard. Yeah, so. it's, it's, if you have that little gap, it's, it's easy to get out of there if you can get yeah. that space. What's but, good um, about deep, deep half guard is... You have like you can go under the legs, and then you can have your underhook on the other hand. So if going deep half guard doesn't work, then you can transition to his back with the underhook on the other side. 
So being in half guard is a more like an advantage position. Yeah. Even and though that, you're on the bottom. You that know. arm bar is there too if you get the, the other leg around as well, right? I know, this is what we were training. But it might it might be two separate maneuvers. Yeah. Just, I, <laughs> after a full two classes, it just kind of melds into my brain. <laughs> but um, thanks for doing the show. Appreciate it. Sure. We'll get right into this thing. Um, let's start young. Did you grow up in L.A.? Yeah, I was born and raised. We were born out in South Central, and parents moved us out to Baldwin Park, the home of In-N-Out. That's your shit, huh? Mm-hmm. <sighs> and... Where are your parents from? Nicaragua. Both of them are from there. A lot of the work that you make has a lot of like familiar ties, right? Like it seems like a lot of your uh, your family plays a lot of significant roles in in the things that you make. Is that accurate? You're breaking up. Because you're eating chips, motherfucker. That's why. No, I'm not eating chips. Check this out. What is that? Lifesaver um, jelly beans. That's what's cutting out. <laughs> but actually, no, I think it, it might be the computer too because your video slowed down. Uh, uh, yeah, my uh, my family has crazy history with um, the war back in the 80s, the Iran-Contra and all those crazy scandals. Uh-huh. They were, you know, my dad was a guerrilla and, well, he actually used to work with um, American CIA torturing his countrymen to gain, gather information. And then, you know, the story goes that, you know, they had brought his best friend in and to decipher information from him. And he realized he was like on the bad side or the wrong side. So he turned gorilla and, you know, crazy junk ensued from there. No, and, you know, I was, a, I was a kid at the time and he had made us a tape kind of, you know, wishing us a happy life and giving us life instructions on how to be with each other and what to do how to be, you know, good people, and it, it's a it's a rough thing to listen to even till today. So even though I was young, I still I remember being affected by it. Did did he did he not think he was going to come back? No, he didn't think he was going to come back because he knew he was going to go over there for war. He was going to go fight. Yeah, did, knowing about that sort of level of government involvement in 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 uh political movements and such like that do you trip out on like what's happening in libya and like what happened in egypt like these political uprisings that seem like it's like a political like a like a people-led movement and sometimes a lot of times it turns out to be like the cia doing the shit yeah well yeah we have you have your theories and your speculations it's just it's really really easy to go there sure you know when you kind of have like our leader supporting it sure. and then, you know, like skirmishes happen like in like a week later in another part of that area and there's no backing of it. And so you just can't help but to think that there's some, you know, ulterior motive. Yeah. So money's coming in from somewhere. Yep. Movements just don't happen that fast. It takes a long time for people to get unified. Yeah. Without, without uh, when, when all that stuff was going down, it was a trip because, um, like I was, I was in, I had a chance to go to Prague during that time. When you're in Europe, like they don't have good TV. So 
you tend to watch, I mean, you probably remember when we're in London, like they don't have like cool programming. So in turn, all you watch is the news uh-huh. and you flip through constant. And over there they had like Al Jazeera's in English. <clears throat> and it was crazy just watching constant um, footage of like, Oh, so-and-so uprising broke out in Tunisia and so-and-so is breaking out over here. And it's like, it's such, it's not a coincidence, you know, yeah. when everybody in that region all together at the same time, they're all uprising. You know, someone's behind it. Yeah. And shit is still wild as shit today. Yeah. I guess uh, Gaddafi's forces, like, smash some rebels. And you know, whenever you hear stuff like that, you know there's collateral damage. There always is. Like, innocent people are dying around those those things, no matter what. True that. Um, back to the family thing. So... Do you feel like a lot of that, uh, those family ties string through into your work? You're a painter, right? You're a painter yeah. by trade and, you know, you're, you're, in, you're into some other things too. You do uh, design and are you, are you in advertising? Is that a fair assessment? Marketing? What do you, <laughs> what do you do by a yeah. profession? Are you, are you a ninja? <laughs> what the fuck are you up to? Yeah. Well, you as good, you know, by the like, way. I usually can't talk about like exactly what I've been I'm up to currently, but in the past, um, the projects that we work on, you know, like I, I want to like romanticize it and give it like a really beautiful name, like subversive underground marketing. But like you said, it's just marketing at the end of the day. Like it's very different than the way people typically do things. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, I'm just a damn marketer. You can find it a way sucks. to be creative. <laughs> you find a way but, to be creative with it, though, right? Well, yes. <laughs> but, however, <clears throat> part of the reason why I paint is because, like, I'm trying to justify, like, my... I'm trying to make myself legit and OG and, you know, the thug part of me is saying screw you and I'm going to go and paint in my little dungeon and not worry or think about anybody else's needs because I do so much of like, you know, catering to a client and doing it for almost like, I think maybe 20 years, you know? So, but we do have fun. Like out of any job I've, cause I've been doing professional or commercial work for forever. And out of any job I've ever had, this is the one that like, we get to sit there and try and figure out ways to like to shock the heck out of people and just do something out of the norm, you know, yeah. and like break the mold of the way people engage with um, product or um, storyline, you know. So it's fun. It's super cool yeah. because you know, and then we get to like you know talk to people like you and fly us out to London and paint murals. I mean, like it's super super cool. Right, which I want to get into that shortly. We'll not jump ahead too fast. All right. Not blow the load too quick. I've actually, I've talked about it a, a few times on the show already, but um, how much weight have you lost in the last year? I don't know. Do I look thinner? Yeah, you look way thinner. Yeah? Yeah. Um, I'm not, honestly, I'm not trying to lose weight. I'm trying to keep weight because of the class that I fight in. I fight in the ultra heavy class. And right now I'm like the, the lightest of the bunch. Yeah. So I'm Why trying to figure out ways lower? to, huh? Why don't you go lower then? 
Because I'm lazy. What do you mean? <laughs> I will go lower. I just don't want to, like, you know, when I was in high school and I used to have to cut weight, like, it just sucked, you know? And I don't, like, there's no need for me as a 36-year-old to, like, have to, like, torture my body like that. Yeah. As so, you eat, what are you eating right now again? Jelly beans? <laughs> yeah, this is my, this is my training. Your training dinner? Yeah, jelly beans? my training supplements. You're getting ready to compete, right? <laughs> yeah, well... It's going to be a long training camp. It's three months. It's the Mundials. Uh-huh. It's in Irvine. It's the big, big deal. Did something just happen in Irvine this weekend? Yeah, the pens. Yeah, my, my coach went up there. Um, I was I was scheduled to fight, but I would have had to have taken two days off of work, and I'm already taking a week off to go to San Francisco Yeah. next week. Nice. But you got all your work ready for that. You got a show coming up. Yep, on the seventh, fifty twenty four SF. Well, we'll get into that at the end of the show too. Um, so, so we met. I guess we met sort of on the internet prior to meeting in person. Shortly, shortly thereafter, I guess we worked on the GVR mural with Keep Abreast and a bunch of people. A bunch of different organizations worked together on that thing. Yeah, I think there was Invisible Children was there that day, I think. Uh, it was a, a a really cool, humongous event. And there was a bunch of rad artists that, that got to work on that thing, too. And uh, so we got to spend some time together then, right? And, and sort of get to know one another. Yep. Yeah, and, that was a funny day. Um, I just remember showing up and, you know, a couple feet away from me, there's like, Steve Caballero and Lance Mountain, mm-hmm. which to me, skating as a kid, they were like my Michael Jordans. Yeah, for sure. And so I would be painting, and every couple seconds I'd like look over and be like, hi, <laughs> you're Steve Caballero. <laughs> and so it turned out like, you know, I still talk to them today, and they're just normal dudes, and they're super down to earth. Totally. I still, he called my house and left a message, like a long, like a, like a 10-minute message. Like, just being grateful about that day, like, talking about what we talked about and shit. And uh, I still, I left it on there. I still, I actually, I should record it now that I have a little recording device and take it off of there. But it's been on there for, like, two years. <laughs> just because it's Steve Caballero. <laughs> it's like, dude, I've been wearing your, your shoes since I was, like, in second grade. Yeah. And now you're right over there painting. Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. super fun. And it, it seemed like we already sort of knew each other. I don't know if it was because we we did already or uh or it's one of those things where it just like clicked or whatever. But um after yeah, do, that Yeah, it did it did have a feeling that we were already kind of friends and we knew each other by the time that mural came around. Yeah. Sort of on the same wavelength, maybe. Yep. Um and then we got to do the the nine inch nails project was the year zero which i've talked about before and you were sort of you were instrumental in setting that up how did that process come about for you were, were you like creatively like how does how does a project like that sort of begin and come to fruition um specifically the mural or the project overall well just the the entire project because it was all an encompassing yeah um trent reznor was a big fan of 42 and he had followed some of the previous campaigns. And so when it was time for him to release year zero, um, 
he wanted to, you know, collaborate with us. And so he had built this big story arc and figured that if he gave it to us, we can expand on it and, you know, splice it up into thousands of pieces and spread it around the world and have the players find it and own it, you know? Yeah. And, you know, all the while that's, as that's happening or not even just that project, any project in general, anytime we sit in, you know, a brainstorm session, they say like, well, how can we tell this story? I'm always the one that's quick to say, we can tell it with a mural and I can get <laughs> my friends to come paint it and let's do it like in some remote part of the world, that kind of thing. And so that's how it always goes. And they actually, they bit on this one it it, it fit the project and, you know, I found the right people to work with. Sure, it's a it's another form, just another form of storytelling, right? Yeah, and just picking that direction. Yeah, that that was a trippy thing. I, even like making it into the the London street art book, having like the front and the back cover. Uh huh. That was super cool. Even to like getting having the thing ripped off. Even though it bothered me, it's still pretty cool. I like yeah. I like telling that story. You know. Yeah, it almost it gives it a little bit more of a mythos around it. It's, it's kind of yeah. <laughs> I just like I, I just want to know where it's at. I don't want to like take it back. I just want to know that it's alive and well, and like that will always pique my curiosity. You know, well, that's, I'll always I, be wondering. I brought it up to Ein, who is right on that block all the time. I guess, and I think I think he probably I think people probably from the neighborhood jacked it. Maybe to try to resell it. I don't know. Yeah. But shit, it would take it would take a crew, but in the you know in a truck and a whole routine to be able to remove a billboard sized mural. Yeah. What was that? Sixteen by twenty. Twelve by twenty. Ten. It's ten, ten foot tall. That yeah, shit was gnarly. And but you know that experience was really rad. You know, uh, working with all you guys, like working with a group of really cool artists to sort of learn and 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 bond with, and then at the same time, like get those mural skills up. Like I've done a lot of stuff since then, and then we came back from London and did something in LA too, which was even bigger. Yeah, that was uh, twenty by sixty. Right. That was a that shit yeah. was big as shit. Now I, I did a piece by myself that was 25 foot tall by 70 foot wide. Which is beautiful, man. I really, yeah, and by yourself, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, three days. Wow. Yeah, just like a machine. But, you know, it, and it was all just led up to that, right? It was, you know, all those learning processes in between there really helped dictate being even being able to accomplish something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it helped me a lot because I think I've done maybe 12, 12 pieces on the street. And um, what it's taught me is to to loosen up. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of almost given me like a different style, you know, and I'm like trying to like introduce that into my work. Because like, like I'm a big fan of Glenn Barr and Glenn Barr will paint like super loose in an area. And then when he wants you to focus in, in an area, he just tightens it up really really tight and you can tell he spends you know more than just a day noodling in that area right and so for me like it's just been fun learning to like let go um i, I was at baby tattooville and i was painting i was doing a live painting like at four or five in the morning 
and Michael Husser came into the room and we painted together for like an hour. And he was just like pressing on me just to like let go and let loose and just kind of like attack it. And so like, and just watching him paint and like, it's moments like that that just like really like encourage me to like be an artist about it. And not that it's not about caring, but it's just about like expressing yourself in that way. Mm-hmm. It makes it fun. I like it. What do you think? Is there a level of control, like letting go of control aspect for you in some of that? Like in Yeah. And, and what happens is those, those happy mistakes, you know, mm-hmm. and then you kind of stumble across stuff and, you realize that it's a good thing, you know? Yeah, when those little mistakes work just perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, it's always nice. I've been playing with some abstracts, just letting the brush get loose, painting from the end of the brush instead of way down by the bristles. Type of idea, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, it's good for you, though. It's that I same try idea. and do that. Just let yeah. loose. Yeah. So you, you really... In terms of the painting game, you haven't really been painting that long, right? In terms of years working? No, not at all. I think I've been... I have to do the math and I have to look at my calendars and when I first started showing, but I think I'm in my fifth year of when I first taught myself how to paint. And you're all self-taught, huh? Yeah. And well, but with that said, you know, I imagine that there's a, a significant amount of hours that you put in in that short amount of distance, maybe, right? Definitely. I like I'm a firm believer in working super, super hard and you know, the more you put in, the more you get. And and you know, like we've had this argument about one of my favorite sayings um from a philosopher that goes, uh, nothing comes from nothing, you know. Are you saying yeah. that you and I have had an argument before? Yeah, one of our many arguments. Yeah. <laughs> but because it's a double meaning for me, uh-huh. and that nothing comes from nothing, and that, you know, I don't believe that we're created from nothing. But I also, where I take it to heart as well is in my work, you know. If I put in the work, then I'm going to gain from it. But if I don't put time into the work, then I'm not going to gain, you know. Sure. And so. Like in learning to paint, the only way I knew I was going to get better, the only way that I know I'm going to get better is if like I push really hard. Like in the last um, in the last uh, like five months, I feel like my works like hit another gear, and it only did that because I, I put genuine real time into like sitting down and thinking about like what I wanted to paint, how I wanted to paint, like what new elements I wanted to bring in. And just like trying to hone the craft, you know, I, I, for me, like I have 50 more gears to go through. I have 10 more years of learning, you know, and I think like if I ever have that mentality of like, I've arrived and I'm done, then, then I think I've defeated myself, you know? Yeah. So. And you know, it's, you'll go through phases too, where it's like, there's ups and downs in that whole roller coaster of, of figuring this shit out. You mentioned gears. You're, uh, I know you're, you're interested in the motorcycle culture. You just put out a video, a teaser for the, your upcoming gallery show, where you, you rock a, a helmet cam. Is that, is that yeah. for riding specifically? You got the Triumph shirt on, the whole night. Yeah. Is that what was your question? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, when, when did you start getting involved in riding motorcycles? And then uh, you know, I just you mentioned I mentioned the 
the video you just put out. It has the, well, the helmet cam. I started writing, I think maybe like in uh, fifth grade, maybe. And legally, uh, <laughs> my senior year of high school. But I've pretty much owned a bike ever since I was in high school. And at times I've owned maybe like three bikes and wasn't necess necessarily like owning a different kind of bike because I'm a fan of like anything on two wheels. Yeah. Like I, I love anything on two wheels, whether it's for the dirt or the racetrack or whatever, you know. But um, right now I have a cafe racer and then I have a, a 69 Triumph bobber that's being built. So it should be done by like the summer. It's being built by this like like super old timer dude that does it the old school way. Right. It's gonna be a six fifty. Do you do uh, do you do long runs on them? No, I used to. I used to do long runs on my racing bikes before. You know, I, I used to go up to the canyons a lot, so I'd always go out to like San Diego, or we'd go up north to San Francisco and just hit up canyons and get really stupid and really crazy. Yeah. And then a bunch of friends died in front of me and. I stopped and just ended up taking the bike off the street and made it illegal for the street and just ran it on the racetrack for maybe a few years and just kind of focused on racing in a safe environment, yeah. which is funny because uh, all I ended up doing was just going faster, which was cool. <laughs> Did you get uh, sort of addicted to that rush of going that fast? Well, yeah, uh, uh, it's not just that. I mean, like, you know, I used to race um, downhill mountain bikes. I used to race uh, mountain cross. You know, I think it's just, I think I have that personality that could do really, really well with drugs. Like, drugs and me would probably, like, I think they could potentially be, like, my best friend, you know? But unfortunately, I, I've never, like, been in the position to find out. But what I have you found should, out that uh, you should smoke a joint with me. <laughs> we is harmless, son. It's from the earth. It's a herb from the earth. I've been around that a lot as a kid. I'm talking about the hard stuff. Yeah, they, there's no need to mess with anything that doesn't come from the earth. You can eat yeah. some mushrooms. That'll be a, that, that's an experience that I think every yeah. person should experience. Just like a beard, <laughs> growing a big full beard is just as important as eating mushrooms. <laughs> Should be done. It's in the Mike Maxwell Handbook of Life. Should, it should be experienced if you have the capabilities. You guys see? Do you see that right there? I do see that. Can uh, you see it really well, or do you want me to get closer? Uh, I if I sit up, I could see a good. Uh, Chris Mars is that what dude's name is? Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty good artist. Yeah, that's right. Miss Crystal's home. Hi, Miss Crystal. You gotta say hi now. You're on the podcast. Hi. Hi, Crystal. It's nice to see you. You too. Crystal brought, brought burritos home. Nice. From where? From the taco shop. What do you mean from where? <laughs> I forget what it's called. Fucking Mexican food <laughs> shop. Burritos. Yeah. Burritos. Um, Crystal brought some burritos home. <laughs> <laughs> White people are the best. <laughs> It's good. I'm, I'm glad to get some brown skin back on the show. It's been a little white lately. Uh, who's a, have you ever had Latinos on your show? Uh-huh. Yeah. Who? Uh, Sergio Hernandez. Who else? Uh, I had um, Anna Brown and... Anna Brown. That doesn't sound... Just because it... No, I, the, they're, fake, they're fake names. It's um, oh. it's Anna Brown and Bob Green. Oh. They, uh, they, they run this cool little print shop. We did a, I did a salvia trip on the episode. Mm -hmm. They came up and smoked salvia with me. 
You should smoke salvia too. That shit is from the earth, son. It's a herb. I don't know what that is. It's a it's a herb that's that originates out of um, Awaka and the the Mazteca in the Mazteca tribe. I always say Mazteca Indians, but I think that's just like white guy thing. I, I, the Mazteca tribe, they have a form. They they eat it, but there's people who who produce it. Uh, it's still the same the same plant it's a it's a legal plant to grow and they dry the leaves and make like a you know it looks like tea like if you opened up a tea bag and poured out the tea it kind of looks like that you smoke it and it's a like a really really strong hallucinogen that gives you like a seven minute long hallucination uh-huh. um and there's different strength levels to it and there's the it's a whole thing like you if you Google it or YouTube it, you'll see a bunch of people acting all crazy and being stupid. But like, if you use it the right way, you could have like some really intense experiences. Is this legal? Is it legal? Like, uh... yeah, you, you can go to the shop. You can go to like a smoke shop and buy it. But uh, I don't know for how much longer it's going to be legal. Oh. I'm legal with the marijuana too. I got the license, but they're trying oh, to you... shut down all the dispensaries around here. It's bullshit. It's a weird thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's a weird thing, state versus national laws. Federal. Or federal? Yeah. Yeah, and it's, well, you know, it's the city that it's really the, the, it is the city and state officials that are really causing the bullshit. It's not even the federal officials really fucking with them. It's the city officials saying that there's too many dispensaries popping up, too many, like, mom and pop shops, you know, and people, too many people making profit. This is my green right here. That's your green, jelly bean? Apple. So good, man. Seriously. Right here. Don't edit edit this in, okay? What do I need to edit in? For? Right here. here. Lifesaver jelly beans. They're delicious. They come in all sorts of flavors. They're only out right now because of Easter. Take advantage of it. Go to your store. Rite Aid. Get some. They're soft and juicy. I wish those fuckers <laughs> were my sponsors. Give me some money. <laughs> you do all the jujitsu and the into the MMA, you got some UFC picks coming up. There's some really good fights coming up, like the GSP. I know we had we had some ongoing bets there a few years ago, but you were just getting your ass whooped. You probably still owe me fifteen dollars, cocksucker. <laughs> hey man, didn't you pick Brock Lesnar? I mean, yeah, fuck yeah. That last fight, dude, he got his ass whooped. I think uh, Junior Dos Santos is gonna whoop his ass too. I can't, I can't believe how big that guy is. I know, but he doesn't like to be punched in the face. Yeah. That's it. It hurts, and he doesn't like it. Yeah. Velasquez, dude. Wow. I don't know. I want to see him get tested by somebody. Like somebody who's who has like a hard head. Yeah. That's a striker. Mm-hmm. It's not going to look as easy. Because he looks so dominant because... He just jacked him so hard. And not to take anything away from him, he's a bad man. But I like to see like a striker or somebody at least with they could take a punch. Yeah. And you know what was cool about that fight is that he actually used jujitsu to help win that fight. Yeah. Because Brock tried to take it to the ground and he just kind of, you know, he escaped out of that and kept him at bay with his jujitsu. Yeah, jujitsu is so crazy, man, like it's so humbling to have a grown man manipulate and control you in every which way you can imagine and mm-hmm. kill you ten times. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ, dude. 
unbelievably humbling. It's pretty crazy. When I first started, I remember sparring with 50-year-old dudes, and you look at them and you size them up, and you're like, I'm going to walk through this guy. And then he puts the pain on you. It's pretty awesome. Dude, I, I had to roll my first day with this big gorilla of a dude, and he put it to me, man. Like, I had grown man ass in my face, like, just contorted me. He tapped me just by putting his weight on me. You know, just like rib to rib, just like squashed me. Yeah. I, I can't. I'm done. But meanwhile, I was also gassed because I did the kickboxing class that morning. Yeah. You ever do any kickboxing? I don't, you know, like, I grew up, I wrestled in high school, and before that I did judo as a kid. Yeah. So I've, I felt like I've been grappling for the better, ever, you know, ever since maybe like junior high. Yeah, totally. And so, you know, taking my body part and slamming it up against somebody else doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Like, I would, I would rather pick somebody up and let the, the earth or the cement do the damage to their face. But you never like you like never hit the heavy bag or yeah I have yeah I, I actually I have really good kicks because I have heavy 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 legs yeah and my kicks are not are not nice dude I blasted my foot it's still it's swelled up for a week now like the whole well, top of it and I'm about to get my feet tattooed I'm trying to heal it I didn't go to kickboxing today one because I was sore as shit like I said before but two because I'm also trying to heal my feet. Stop kicking the bag so fucking hard. And dude, kicking it wrong, too. Dude, this guy that's doing these tattoos on you, the little single needle, right? Uh-huh, Ben Grillo. Sick. Yeah, he was on the show. Yeah, uh, I was looking at some past vlogs today. Nice. And I saw more of his art. Yeah. I'm pretty impressed. Yeah, you should come down. He's a badass. Yeah. Ezrin's going to say hi. Hi. This is Ezrin. Hi. That's hi, how are you? Have we met before in person? Has he? Have you guys? Have you met Mike? Uh, they don't have headphones uh, on, so they can't hear you. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, say hi, Zan. Hi. Did you got did, Mike? Did you see the new video that I posted? Um, all I've seen the motorcycle video, you, uh, the he, the helmet cam. Uh, the newest video I posted is um for a print release that I'm doing called Salt Peanuts. It's a screen print, a three color. Yeah, you did and, with uh, Cat Call, right? Yeah. And uh, the screen print is based off of an a 8x8 foot mural that I painted for the Think Space Anniversary show. Oh, cool. And I painted it with my boys. Nice. And so they're in the video, and like I edited it, and I ran some Toots and Maytals music in the background. And um, yeah, you can see them getting their graph on. Yeah, it's nice. funny. And you do all the editing and all the production stuff with, with all the videos that you put out, too? If I have time, uh, the motorcycle one, I shot it, but then Joe, my buddy Joe, old neighbor of mine, edited it, and then uh, the last one that I just uploaded um, on Monday, uh -huh. um, I shot it on my iPhone and then edited it myself. Oh, nice. Dinner time? Uh, yeah, um, no worries. Well, um, let's talk about your upcoming show so we could get that promoted, because you're getting ready by this... This episode will be up when this when this show is up. Your sh your show will be like two days off. So your show is on the seventh. Yeah. You're showing up at Upper Playground, fifty twenty four SF. Yep. 
What's uh what's the plan for this show? Well, what's the inside scoop? The inside scoop. You know, like it's a small gallery and it was tough for me to like say like, well, I'm going to do this show and I'm going to put like a ton, a ton of thought behind it and it's going to have this big theme. And so what I wanted to do was more like take advantage of this time and like experiment. So I'm doing like a, my first screen print. I've never, I don't even do prints for that matter. I won't, I don't do toys. I don't do any kind of reproduction of any of my work. And so I did a, the three colorway screen print, which is different with Cat Colt, Ian. Um, and then I painted on some found paper. I found this like old book from the 1800s and it's all like old German newspaper. And I'm ripping it up and painting on top of that. And, um, and I would say like the biggest difference for the show is painting a person, which I think I had shown you a photo of the piece. Mm -hmm. And so it's just been more about like experimenting and having fun and doing something different, you know? Uh, but the name of the show is The Heaviest, and it's pulled from a Bob Marley verse that goes, um, every man thinketh his burden is the heaviest. <laughs> and so it's actually one of my favorite songs of his. And it, it reminds me of myself in that, like, I, I can quickly think like that, and that, you know, my problems and my issues are so much bigger than anybody else's. Sure. When the truth is, like, they're not, you know? Yeah. And you know what the issue is with that is that we never really experience anyone else's experience. Yeah. You know, it's all it's all locked up in our brain what we think our experience is. And that's what I'm telling you, man. Now you with the Bob Marley link, we'll just roll up a big spliff. We'll take care of it. I'll deal with all of those issues for you, I'm telling you. <laughs> in about six hours, it'd be no problem. Sorry, are the babies still in the room? I don't want to be inappropriate. Oh yeah, well, they can't hear you. I have you the, the headphones, headphones on, on so they can't hear. Yes. I always hate to be inappropriate guy in front of the kids. Well, you know how I feel about it, man. I think, uh, you know, I paint a lot of the five and, you know, I rely on God's grace. And I think that's ultimately what carries me through. And that, you know, like, um, like when I try and carry my own burdens and then I'm quickly realized about like God's grace and how his burdens are super light. But, you know, that's another argument that you and I have really gotten into, especially in London. Well, you know, spiritually, if you listen to some of the shows, spiritually, I'm a, I'm a much different person than I was that many years ago, particularly over the last couple years. Like, I would no longer, I'm, I'm no longer an atheist, but that doesn't mean that I subscribe to a lot of the same ideas. Like, I've come to realize that this vessel isn't really what it is. Because it was actually, you know, biology helped turn me into an atheist, and Christianity helped turn me in, into an atheist. And then science actually showed me that atheism was a sort of, uh, ignorant point of view in that like it was another belief structure but once I came to realize that the Einstein theory that energy can't be created or destroyed and come to realize based on quantum physics that we're all just these little balls of energy that sort of bounce together to perceive this physical body like it's not really the real thing it's not the real reality of what we actually are and knowing that those energies are always the same in this universe, no matter what, like they don't go away. So I had a lot of these perceptions that, you know, without this vessel and the thinking mind that, that nothing else can exist out of it. And that was a, a sort of ignorant, closed-minded point of view. 
which I didn't understand until I actually started to learn about quantum physics and like just looking at things from a quantitative level, not just this physical reality. Mm -hmm. And again, the mushrooms and the, the weeds helps you understand that sometimes this waking physical reality that we see every day isn't the, it isn't the full picture. You know, our senses are limited. Once I understood that, I, I came to realize, shit, this whole atheism thing that I've been pushing for six plus years is sort of convoluted and I've just been like attached to it. Now I'm sort of like I turned agnostic and I'm I have I practice a lot of Buddhist type techniques and and things. And I don't think Buddhism isn't even a religion per se, but more of like a philosophy of dealing with life's day-to-day -day issues. And it's it's helped me a ton. You know, getting through a lot of my, like, anger and aggression and, like, emotions that were just bullshit, that were just built up in my mind from past experience and, you know, my perceptions of and expectations of what things are supposed to be. So all that was built up. And I'm a totally different person than I was then. Wow. Yeah, I guess, you know, you and I haven't really, like, like really, really hung out and maybe going on two or three years, maybe. Yeah. We haven't had those like crazy conversations like we always have. Yeah. But I, that that is a trip to hear you kind of say that, you know, and you know, like I've always talked to you about like how like I, I like the whole like the Christianity idea like it, it always it never really sits well with me. Like I don't like I feel icky when like I say like I don't like to say that I'm a Christian. Yeah. Because it's it's that formal religion that that it bothers me because of the connotations that come along with it. But, but you what know, I, I am proud to say is that, you know, I, I love Jesus Christ. And, like, to me, Jesus Christ isn't religion. It's the furthest thing from religion, yeah. period. Some and, of the stuff know, that we used to debate and argue about, I still think about now. And, like, some of the things that you would say make sense in if I place it in a particular context, you know? Like, yeah. if I'm just, like, trying to fight Christianity and just hear Jesus or the Bible, like, I'm just, like, I shut off to it or whatever, but yeah, if I, if I, I understand that because, we, you know, like we're, I think like we're, man, I hate that. Like we're just conditioned to think like that, like sure. to, uh, quick, to be quick to attach Jesus Christ to religion. Like yeah. it, it kind of it breaks my heart. It bumps me out. But I, and then like even talking about science, you know, um, on how you were saying like science pulled you in a certain direction. And for me, like science kind of drew me closer to God, you know, but you also had you, you had said something right now that was pretty interesting on how like um we're limited as to like what we can see or feel or touch mm -hmm. and that just like it, it blows my mind you know and like I, like every time we talk like i, I always want to make sure that i'm giving you like an inte intellectual logical answer you know and especially like when we talk about like the idea of nothing coming from nothing you know sure and like i think about like all those zillions or trillions i don't know how many colors in the spectrum that like exists that we don't understand or realize are there you know and like if anything like it just excites me yeah. like I, I get excited of the day when like our minds get to be open to all those new colors or ideas you know sure and that you know part of like it was that literalism that even as an atheist i had to take everything literally and see, and that was clouding my vision in a very a very significant way, and a lot of that stuff is gone now. So it's it's and I'm a much I'm a much happier person, 
not that I think atheism caused any sort of significant, uh, you know, anger or sort of disillusion within myself, maybe. And maybe it did, but I think coming to grips with not having to uh, attach myself to beliefs, belief or beliefs, you know, has mm-hmm. been like ultra freeing. Like I'm okay with being wrong more often than I've, I've ever been before in my life, which is healthy for me. Maybe jujitsu has helped with your anger too, yeah? Oh, well, you know, yeah, without a doubt. Because, you know, what I I realized is that to be angry and, like, douchey to people and to act mean or, like, try to be, like, egotistical, it takes physical energy, right? And if if you utilize all that physical energy in the gym for an hour and a half, you're not going to, you don't have any energy to go be a punk ass to somebody, right? Yeah. So you're not going to. It's like everybody in there is so lacking ego or like bravado or like tough guyness. Nobody in there is like that. Yeah. And you realize that like when you get your butt handed to you by a guy that's weaker and smaller than you, then you, then you come to think like, well, who, who else is out there? When I'm walking in the street and that short guy is looking at me like, does he have what I hope he doesn't have, you know? And then you kind of start to respect more people, you know? Right. All right, buddy, let's, uh, you're, you, you've managed to avoid the social media network magically. Yeah. <laughs> I'm proud of you yeah, for that. I'm, I'm shutting it all down, man. I Like, you know, I think it's... I don't know. Like I like I kind of look at some of my favorite artists and like if I think if they can do it without having to like push themselves out there like that and then it, it maybe it justifies me not having to like deal with you know having a, a Facebook site or a, a MySpace page even though I have a MySpace page but I won't log on to it and I won't post anything and I'm trying to shut it down. But you can't. I can't, man. I hate it. MySpace, let me go. <laughs> I just got a picture of that one. Yeah, they won't let you. Cool. Well, let's uh, let's plug your website because you do have a website up. I do. Um, it's kmndz.com. And there I am trying to post what I can, you know. And I know it's not the same experience as having a Facebook where it's like a peer-to-peer. It's just kind of like a one-way street and you just take from me versus giving back to me. But... It's what I'm, you know, at the very least I'm willing to do. Good. Well, maybe so, we got an hour worth of Facebook and Twitter posts out of you today. So you'll make up for like a year's worth of not being in social media. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, have you been reading Malcolm X lately? Why? Because of glasses? <laughs> we'll, we'll have a picture so, of those online. Let's see. I want to well, get, get the picture of the kids in there. All right. Xavier, come here. You get in the picture. Everybody. Here we go. No Malcolm X. Gotcha. Uh, Hold on. One more. Let's Let do see. one more. There we go. Hold All on right. Like that. One, two, three. Yeah. Nice. That one's going to be awesome. All right, cool. Well, uh, I'll let you eat. I'm going to go eat dinner, too.
All right. And uh, well, well, let's plug uh, your shows coming up April 7th. <laughs> <laughs> April 7th, 5024 SF, the heaviest. <laughs> we have jelly beans there. Si eres Latino y estás en la área, come check it out. All right, brother. All right, man. Best of luck. Hey, hey, guys, calm down. What? Oh, look at it. Oh, wow, guys. All right, so, all right, well, let's internet that. All right, brother. Have a good night. Something, 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 something you don't want nobody to know about. You must have.